The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Delicious local cucumbers from Seeds Farm, tomatoes, Harmony Valley greens, Featherstone kale, fresh herbs, and plenty more fresh vegetables are arriving at Lakewinds co-ops each day. Try brushing radicchio, kale, or romaine heads and cut lemons with olive oil and laying them on the grill for a light char. Then squeeze that grilled lemon on the lettuce and sprinkle with Parmesan cheese shreds for a fresh take on summer salads. Melons, stone fruits, and all the berries are arriving at Lake Winds for all the tarts, shortcakes, buckles, crisp galettes, and pies that make summer in Minnesota. Make sure to use the best organic grass-fed butter and cream from our local dairies when making homemade ice cream or whipped cream toppings. And the best part of all this is you can get it delivered from Instacart. Order online and get same-day or next-day delivery. There's no membership required to shop at Lake Winds, and you can support your local farmers by shopping at your neighborhood co-ops wherever they are. If you can't make it to Lakewinds, visit any of your neighborhood food co-ops, but you can find Lakewinds in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. Find more at lakewinds.com. Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. We are so glad that you guys are here this Saturday. We are here to talk about food fun and frolicking throughout the Twin Cities. We're going to fr- have frivolity. We're going to frolic. Can I, give, can I say I hope everyone has power if you're listening to this in another, maybe on a Sunday because you didn't have power on Saturday. I'm sorry. But that wind that went through last night was something. It sure Did it hit was. you? Did you get yeah, a little bit Yeah, it smacked? was in St. Paul. And then I got a text. Um, we have... At our cabin, my husband built when he was 40. He was having a crisis. And he built a kind of like a tiny house, but it's just one room little cabin that sits up on a hill on our property. Yeah. And we sleep in there. It's got like a bed, two tables. He did get electricity and Wi-Fi last year because I threatened to never come again. And (laughs) it's pretty nice. (laughs) Well, because I spend the whole summer with my mother-in-law, you guys. Yeah. So... I needed a place where NPR wasn't on Mach 12 twenty four seven, right, right, and listening to this sound. So this, oh, <sighs> yeah, yeah, okay. And now that we're all trapped together, even more. Yes. So thank God, last year he took it under advisement and electrified and Wi-Fi'd me, and it's great. It's like a little teeny place, but when the wind gets going and there ain't, it's got a metal roof. Yeah, it sounds like you are in the tornado alley. It's pretty scary up there. So he texted me last night, like, "Are you getting a storm? We sure are." And I thought, "Oh, he's scared." Oh, God. I put my covers over my head and just like try to block out the sound. I watched Godzilla. <laughs> oh, see, you just go full. I in. did. I was like, I might as well. I might as well just have. I might as well just throw the things and make it all you know part and parcel. So it was fun. It was. I mean, it was crazy. It was. We have branches down, and you know, but it wasn't that bad. I it, I thought it was going to be worse. So. You know, it's kind of surprising. Uh, you uh, do you feel like we've had a lot of rain down here? No, we haven't. Yeah, see, it's really At dry. All. In fact, too. my mom is very 
you know, like talking about her her garden and yeah. her, her stuff. And she's always like, oh, we need more rain. We, we need more rain. So we are going to do a little garden talk today. I did bring Stephanie something a little bit special. A little special. I think it's special. We'll see. Sometimes we'll see. I don't turn out. But uh, <laughs> what'd you eat this week? How was your week? Uh, my week was pretty tame. Uh, uh, but I wanted to talk about the Bon Appetit controversy because we haven't oh, talked about that. My 20-year-old girls, my niece, my daughter, her girlfriend... They're all up in arms yeah. because all of their Bon Appetit people that they've been watching all these videos all pandemic are gone. Yeah. Well, and, you know, so what had happened, what had happened was there was, uh, you know, the the thing that was part of the Adam Rappaport leaving was, it, you know, the, the editor in chief. And we've talked about that. Um, you know, he left because of some. He left. He was apparently white mansplaining, white manning, uh, dressed well, he, like a Puerto Rican for yeah. Halloween. And he's he was part of a bro culture. I think that was yeah, at Condi. That is very colorless. Yeah, and there's a lot of, and there was a lot of there. Yeah, and then you know Matt Drucker, who was the person because because Bon Appetit the magazine and Bon Appetit the videos are actually two separate arms of that company. Like they don't really blend that much. All run by Condé Nast, right. who's also and, suffering their own me too moments and- right well and that is one of the big bro culture places in new york um so the so what happened you know is they kind of people were people got uh upset he got fired and then there was a huge re- restructuring this was just after george floyd so this was in early june because i when i wrote my piece about tommy beavis for them this was literally the week it all happened yeah i, remember I was that. talking with their editors so it was sort of crazy anyway as they have been internally struggling with what to do and how to do it, you know, people have laid off and there's con- there's a lot of contract negotiations. Needless to say, the video arm has obviously been very, very popular um, and has really sort of driven the feelings on all this. And that is the thing that a lot of people, you know, were negotiating. And I think Condi just finally said, nope, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Like they decided not to buckle to public pressure and they're just they're staying the course and they offered much less money than I think than anybody was expecting. And so the people of color, including Priya Krishna and uh, I think um, uh, Richard Martinez, uh, yep, and and uh, Soleil El Wali, yep. they all decided that was it. They were done. They are no longer going to be in the videos. They're just, they're just, they just bowed out. More importantly, not more importantly, but another thing was that Molly Boz, who is one of their most popular, you know. Uh, white people on the show and a senior food editor uh, and Gabby Million, they both left as well. So, so that's six of the seven or eight people. Yeah. And so the funny thing about Molly Boz leaving um, is that I truly believe that she, um, I don't know if she left them because like Soleil is leaving, not the magazine. She's leaving the video. So she's yeah. still going to contribute. Same as Priya. Um, Which does that seem weird to you? It does seem weird to me. It it's super like seems weird to me. You're going to have your principles, but only right. And I don't want to judge them. I know. But it seems like you're going to have your principles, but only for half of the stuff that you do for these people. And again, I shouldn't judge. A job's a job, right now, right? Yeah, and I do, and I and I understand that, and I know that, and and if they're happy with the way that you know things are working in the magazine part of it, then you kind of have to feel like maybe they are on a mission. Maybe they. Because I do think that that they're the people who are working at the magazine who I've talked with and even and, and by association, the website, because that also is different than the video production. Mm-hmm. Right. But that is those people are doing good things and trying really hard to bring forth, you know, different points of view and everything else. So I see why staying there would be 
uh, fortuitous and and maybe a good thing to help drive change. Yeah, in that company because Mm -hmm. I think that's really it. But it is interesting about because they have said in September they're going to start. Conde has said we are starting up the videos again in September. So we'll see how they are received. We'll see who's in them. We'll see all of that. Yeah. Stay tuned is the thing. I this know. is because I'll be like reaching soap out March and then you'll leave me. No. And I'll be over here like pretty talking sure. about my garden by myself. Pretty sure they uh pretty sure they I'm not in New York as far as anyone knows. You so. have to be in New York. I think everybody has to be in New York, yeah. You are really um sporting some different glasses today. I no, I've been wearing these on videos and stuff. You I just really them. like them. They're, They're big. very smart looking. They're big. That's because they cover my face. So that's what you're saying. <laughs> You know, you, uh, okay, not to digress about your glasses, but, and we're going to post a picture now. My friend Sarah also has gotten square black glasses. Yeah. And you have the distinct privilege of not looking like Garth when you wear them. Oh. She does not. Oh. She literally, we did a side-by-side. Oh. And she was wearing a baseball cap and her hair was kind of puffing out the sides. Oops. Hysterical. Yeah. They were like doppelgangers. That's amazing. So now mine are, I think mine are an homage to Zoe Francois, who has, yes. you know, the most amazing glasses and, and stuff. hair and, and necklaces that her mom makes and baking abilities and right? house and life. All and the things. I covet her. And but also is a very good human. Oh, hundred percent. I human. only covet good humans. Yeah. Except for sometimes I covet the pioneer woman and yeah, we're that's, not so sure that's about another her. Another thing. That's a whole other thing for sure. Um, yeah, but that's about, you know, I think, have you been watching like food videos? Do you watch? No. I was going to ask you this. No. Because the only one I've been watching is the Half-Baked Harvest. You know, I'm completely obsessed with yeah, this blogger. Yeah, you recommended her a couple weeks ago. I know, and I can't, like, she's, the, and I think it's because she's new in my feed now. But, like, I'm watching her do things, and the funny thing is there's a lot of things that I... I'm reminding myself, like, oh, I totally used to whip ricotta and put that in my pasta, and here she's making this lemon garlic whip ricotta. I did make that this last week. And I just remember, and it's so funny to me, the things, and I'm not being all like, oh, well, I already know this, but it's like the things you forget in your repertoire that it's just a nice reminder to see other people's version of it. It's funny you mention that because Kurt and I are toying about the idea of creating a cabin cookbook for our family. Yeah, you should. And... You know, my husband's a writer, so he's we've talked about writing the stories kind of about the cabin and some of the memories and then putting the recipes to it. So we were in the car driving home and I was looking through my Instagram feed, just like listing off like our family summer recipes. In no time, I had a 100. And like three years ago, I was making really different things than I'm making now, but making that all summer. Yeah. So ricotta was one of the things mm-hmm. where we'd made homemade ricotta. We were having it on pizza. We had it in pancakes. We were having it in pasta. We were having it in trout spread. Right. Like that was the summer of ricotta because I think I got the idea yeah. probably from you. Right. So it's just interesting how like then we had the summer of ribs. Now I, I don't know if we're in the summer of pizza, but probably I we're like always in be. the summer of pizza. Yeah. But yeah, just kind of interesting. So yeah, we might um, make a cabin cookbook. That's I think good, it'd be real cute. Yeah, I did one for the kids. Every time a kid yeah, graduates, that was the, you know, leaves my house, I make them the the cookbook from of all the things that we usually cook. So, although I don't think I'll do it for Jake because he's sort of like a cook uh, himself. Yeah, he's sort of like surpassing me. He opened a bag. I brought home some stuff yesterday from takeout. And he brought over. He opened this bag. He goes, "Oh, I thought that was popcorn. It's actually lavash." And I'm like. 
Really? You didn't just say crackers. You just said lavash. <laughs> He's like, and he just kind of laughs. He's like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> you just said lavash. We've got a little more lavash talk. No, mm-hmm. we don't. But we're no. going to talk about gardening. <laughs> we're going to no, talk we about don't. the surprise I brought Stephanie when we come back on the weekly dish. Hey, everybody. It's Steph March for Common Ground, Minnesota. And I know you're wondering, who is Common Ground, Minnesota again? Well, let me tell you. It's women in agriculture. These are women farmers who are right here in Minnesota volunteering their time to talk to you guys about food and how it's grown and how and why they grow it. That's Common Ground. Common Ground is, you know, a place where you can go and you can ask those questions about why they grow the food that they're growing and how they're growing it and how that affects the, your family and what they're eating. This is the greatest part about these guys is that they're just up for discussion because, of course, we all love to talk about food, right? So at Common Ground Minnesota, they have a new website, commongroundminnesota.com, and it's a great new site. with It's got farmers. It's got topics. It's got a great blog. It's got heat recipes. There's farm dogs. I don't know what else you could ask for, really. Common Ground Minnesota is a great spot. You can also check them out on Instagram, at Common Ground, M-I-N-N, and, of course, on Facebook, at Common Ground Minnesota. It's a great place for everybody to go and have a conversation. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. I'm here, Stephanie Hansen, and uh, I profess to have a green thumb. <laughs> I try. I I have to say, this, you know, we built the hilltop garden. I think this is my second year with it. Kurt, the first year we kind of built it and got it ready to go. Second year we planted, and so this is my second year planting. And this winter with COVID, you know, I was feeling like the Victory Garden sitch, so we had ordered a bunch of seeds. And so the tomatoes that I have in my garden, I literally grew from little seeds in my, you know, townhome on Selby, like on these uh, little platforms that we built to get them enough light. And so we're finally getting some tomatoes and we only have two kinds. We have Romas that I dry and then we have these little June early ones that, of course, it's August and now they're blooming because it's zone three up there. And this, we don't have a lot of rodents up in Ely because the wolves eat them, but we do have some chipmunks. And the chipmunks have decided that they only like the little tomatoes, not the Romas. They like the like only other, they're not even cherries. They're called June, they're early girls. And they're small. They're like two and a half inches across. And I, I got those specific tomatoes because last year, all the tomatoes we had never ripened. And I had tons of them. So I was like, okay, I'm going to beat the system. I'm going to get these early tomatoes. Well, I have to like pick them when they are just going from green to whitish, orangish, or the chipmunks eat them. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. There's also been a lot of um, grasshoppers. Crickets, locusts. Really? Yes, like flying little clickety, clickety, clickety things. More than normal, you're saying. 100% more than normal. Hmm. And I said to Kurt, are you noticing this? He goes, yeah, sometimes you just get like years where you have more of a thing. It's a cycle. And so I don't know if it's that or if because I have the garden, like they're really attracted to it. And they're kind of just nuisance. They eat leaves and like, that's fine. Um, But I am starting to get some tomatoes. So... I picked the tomatoes, I picked the Romas, and I don't really eat Roma tomatoes. I don't think they're very good, but to dry them, they're excellent, and to make sauce with them, they're excellent. So I picked them, cut them in half the long way, put them in an oven at 200 degrees for six to eight hours, Yep. and you just let them go low and slow forever, Yep. and they're delicious, and they're super concentrated in flavor, 
we freeze them mostly and use them throughout the winter in sauces. We throw a handful into white bean chili, whatever we're making. Um, if I'm going to make Ina Garten's tomato soup recipe, which is fantastic, I'll use them in that. Yeah. So I am excited that my aromas have come to pass. Whether I'll actually get an eating tomato, I don't know, because I hope the ones I've picked will ripen. Yeah. And the ones that were ripe, the chipmunks ate. But, you know, that's it's what a give ha- and yeah. take. They all come and grab stuff yeah. from me, too. And, and it's my like, just when I like, think I'm like, okay, I can leave it one more day, yeah. one more day. And then they're all like, nope. And then they, they're they nasty little critters. They leave it on the vine. So you reach in to pick it and you're all excited. And it's like they ate half of it. Oh, no, mine just abscond. Yeah. Mine, mine might be squirrels and not chipmunks, though. Okay. Because they're, I think they're... Absconders. They're they have absconders. To go eat it in the they're nest. just gone. They're just like, all of a sudden you walk up and you're like, oh, I there thought is. there were tomatoes here. Okay. Okay. So we have tomatoes. I've made under oven dried tomatoes. I pulled all the carrots. Yes, I saw that. And they were beautiful. Yeah. And we ate them in a meal. Yeah. And then we had some leftover and I put <laughs> them on pizza with telegio and rosemary. Yeah. And that was surprisingly fantastic. Like my whole family was like, what is this carrot pizza? Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I just made it up. I was like, okay, was that worth it? Like, we had one, one and a half sides. That was it. Yeah. Well, like all that and the just. Was it all that though? Was it really all that? Carrots are just you put them in and then you wait. That's it. I don't it. know. I was like, okay. And so I said to my husband, you know. I don't know if carrots are going to make it to the garden. And he's like, that's my favorite thing. We need more carrots, like two or three rows of carrots. That's the problem. Like, we need to have more. I was like, okay, more carrots. All also, right. you can leave them in there. You don't have to pull them all at once, can't you? Yes. So, yes. like, you could just have gone and gone a couple and then had them and then gone yeah. back and had a couple more. And then I you get know, impulsive, though. You I'm do. Like, and you're like, it's time to harvest. I'm harvesting it no! today. <laughs> right. So, according to Kurt, we'll have to ma- or, uh, carrots again. The green onion, I made green, I made onions. I grew onions. <laughs> and onions are fantastic, but I don't really know, like, how to make them Did you grow those from seed? Um, no. Bulb? We bought um, some starter plant. Okay. I don't really know how to, like, dry them so that the, like, skin gets brown on the outside. So we've just been eating them, really. But I have a massive amount of green onion tops, a.k.a. scallions, but yeah. scallions are a little bit different. So I remembered this recipe that, Stephanie Meyer has done with the green scallions. The ginger scallions. Yeah. Francis lamb has done. And I thought, well, I can do this with all these green onions because I literally had a pile of like 10 cups of them. And so I made ginger scallion sauce, but I also added lemon juice. I added a little bit of hot pepper flakes. I added some lemon zest. I even added like I had some carrot tops. So I added that to a a different batch. Mm. But I froze all of this sort of ginger scallion-y green onion sauce. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It was great. We had that with the carrots on the pizza. Okay. As the sauce. Because sure. I didn't really have It's sauce. an oil. Did you make it on oil or did you make a paste or how did you do it? Both. Okay. I made an oily paste. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, the oil kind of separates from the paste, but it looks like an oily paste and it was quite delicious. And I think for that recipe alone, I'll do a lot of onions again next year because it was really worthwhile. Okay. And it was so bright and fresh when we had it. And I've eaten it twice and I ate one of the batches that I'd frozen and it held up really well in the freezer. So I'm excited about that. Okay. Um, Then the ferments. Okay. 
Let's get to the ferments. Because that's been your project. There too. Yes. Yeah. Here's the learning in a nutshell. Soft things don't ferment well. <laughs> Zucchini, <laughs> pickles, like anything that doesn't stay hard and crispy. What does ferment well is a turnip, a carrot, um, a sour uh, cabbage. The cabbage has been great. I brought you some sauerkraut today that I fermented just with salt. And then I added red pepper flakes. And that has been fermenting for about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it is because I didn't open it because I wanted you to be the first. Is it? I mean, like, are you worried about the sealing of things? No, because it'll last a couple of months uncanned, as okay. it were. Okay. The ferment will keep sure. fermenting. Sure. You can. This is another thing I learned because I have a lot of these sauerkrauts going now. And I probably need to take a break because we're coming up on a hard out. Um, but you can, after they've been fermented, you can can them. Okay. To preserve them longer. Okay. So it's uh, ferments are where it's at. My whole house smells like them. Oh, is My that family lovely? Goes into or is the cabin that... and they're like, whoa, listen to the smell. Listen to the smell? Or hear the smell. It's a he- lot of smell. Hear the smell? Smell the smell. See the smell. <laughs> listen to the smell. All the smells. So confused. Uh, so only use I hard did. vegetables in your ferments. The okay. soft ones were terrible. Okay. We'll be back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Um, listen, there's a lot of good food writing happening in the in the world right now. Really? I'm glad because I, I don't get these little food videos. I don't have enough internet. Really, the signal's not so great to watch videos, but I would like to read some good food well, writing, and, and I feel like a little bereft. That that's what I was going to say, some. is that I think that the problem is, is that we're all assuming that videos is the way of the future, and it really isn't. I mean, it is as far as instruction goes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's the idea that, by the way, did you know that uh, that uh, uh, Tasty or whatever those little videos are, or whatever? Yeah, the Tasty they have, videos? They have an entire network now. They have a channel on my cable box. I sat and watched... Like oh, they have that's shows. A dangerous territory it's horrible. for me. Horrible. Horrible. Like I could sit in that yeah. hole for hours. I was cleaning my I was cleaning my house and I had it on and I was like, oh my God. And it's just video after video, and then they have these shows oh. where people have to try to recreate after watching the video for one second. Oh, that's cute. And then they have like this competition and then they have people judging them and watching See, them. That's the food show we could do. We're not doing any food we shows. We should. No. If you're listening no. and you do food shows, you're no. missing out. Because no, Stephanie March and I done. would be hysterical. We're done. We're not done. Yes, we're done. We're just getting started. Here's the deal. There's better things afoot. And this is the point. There's food writing that is spectacular right now. And I don't know if you know this, but it's all through newsletters. Everybody who is writing oh. independently and doing cool things, it's easy to find because okay. just, you just send them right to your inbox. Okay. I hate to be the wah-wah of your good story, but like then they come in and you're so like this is in the you. middle of your work day and you're like, oh God, another email from blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. This isn't that. This is And I do a newsletter, by the way. So you do? I hate myself. Yeah. What do you? What's your newsletter? So you would subscribe if you were a good friend. I don't even know you had <laughs> one. How could I subscribe? So you have a newsletter that goes out when? Every week, every Monday. Every Monday, and what is it? Recipes. So it's just podcasts. Re- all the stuff I put on my site that week. Okay. So this is a little bit more than that. So this is not just a summation of a site. So newsletters right now in the food writing world, independent voices are putting together really interesting articles and really thought provoking things that can't aren't getting published anywhere else because of course a there's budget 
cuts, you know, and there's like, you know, there's a whole bunch of, you the know, whole media yeah, it's industry, just, and it's as hard we know to, it is collapsing at yeah. this very minute. Well, let's not, yeah, let's try not to be so <laughs> doom and gloom, but nonetheless, so the point is, is that there's, have you ever heard of Substack? No. Okay. So Substack.com. these down. Substack. Well, I'll put some links up too, okay. but Substack.com is sort of the hub for newsletters. And um, what it is, is it's just really, it's an independent place for writing and you can start your own newsletter. In fact, I think Beth Dooley is beginning one. I love Beth um, Dooley. I would read her newsletter yep, every day. Sure you would. And then basically it's not just about food though. It's about everything. So you could get, you could find writers um, who are actual, you know, authors and everything else. In fact, I was thinking about Kurt, but uh, you know, like they have like this, uh, somebody writes about, pregnancy and parenting data on her parent data substack samantha irby who is one of my favorite essayists all time she writes about books or, and 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 things is and substack kind of like medium it is except for it's like, like an it's aggregate a, yeah, of newsletter content well substack you have to go there you pick your person and you subscribe got it so basically what you go is you and then all of a sudden you decide you can either support them through a money subscription or you just they have a lot of people have like a free view version of it as okay, well okay cuz i'm all about ways to make money cuz as we know yes hansons <laughs> Hanson's income has plummeted well, with my yeah. events. So. so, okay. So here's the thing is like, so when Alison Roman was dropped from, yeah. you know, the times and from Bon Appetit, she started her own newsletter on Substack. So she's now like probably once, maybe a week, maybe, I don't know if any of you guys out there have subscribed to her as well. I, you know, it's sort of musings and thoughts. And then she puts it, what she's been cooking. She was at a beach house, you know, and they made like some salads and they talked about fish and they really did this. And then that's her, but that's her thing. Like, so it's sort of a stream of consciousness idea. I've enjoyed some of it. I haven't enjoyed all of it. I kind of, sometimes I breeze through it and I go, uh, and then I, you know, delete whatever, sure. but it's easy, but there are people on here who I want you guys to know are really, really thought provoking and interesting. And one of them is, uh, uh, it's a, um, it's on Substack and it's a newsletter called Vittles and it's by Jonathan Nunn and he's from Camberwall, South London. And he publishes three times a week, um, but he also brings in other writers into his into his newsletter so that he's got, you know, some interesting things and people and that bring in different thoughts. And it's it's restaurant reviews and recipe writing, you know, different kind of things, but cultural criticism. And it really brings, I think, some fun stuff into understanding food more than just that consumable piece. So this is thought. And what I think about these guys for when they do this, uh, when when they come into my inbox, I save them and I know that they're there. So then then when I have these downtimes, like if I'm waiting for something, I I go to this folder and I read some of the ones that I haven't read. This is what I need to do. I need to create a folder because then I can put all the stuff in the folder. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. So Alicia Kennedy is another one that I want you guys, and I'm going to put all these up because they're all in this taste article, but from the desk of Alicia Kennedy um, is a great one. Every Monday morning, I get a little thing. She's a journalist, a podcast host, a baker, recipe de- uh, developer who's li- who lives in San Juan. She has written some very, very thought-provoking things. Um, she had a really great one about why do we only talk about chefs you know like why why when we talk about restaurants do we talk about chefs why aren't we talking about the front of house people why aren't we talking about you know all the other things and so the funny thing is i think that her newsletter and her discussion about this kind of started uh tejal rao who is from the new york times but writes in the california she wrote a huge piece about this too about you know the imperial 
you know, the imperial chef thing and the culture of all that. And where did that start? And is it crumbling and going away? I think that started because Alicia Kennedy posed the question first. Which let me ask you this question then as a writer. So you read all this stuff. It goes into your brain. You filter. You think about it. You're moved by it. Whatever the case is. Yeah. I always feel like because my husband's a writer. So he takes all these experiences and all this stuff he's written and read and it all sort of regurgitates back into characters that he creates, but he's read stuff. He's been influenced by stuff. He's thought about stuff. And do you ever worry that that feels like it's influencing your writing or almost like you're consciously not plagiarizing? Cause that's word for word, but well, we have a collective. I mean, if anything, if you want to think about anything, think about your damn cup of coffee, okay? Do you think, and who was the first person to take a picture of their latte art? And then the millions of latte exactly. art across the world, that's not thats not somebody stealing from somebody else. That's an idea that exists. But it kind of is like, and this is a bigger conversation, we talk about the cultural appropriation of food. Can you also like appropriate someone's point of view in writing? Because aren't you just influenced by all of this stuff coming into your brain and then your brain turns it into like your thoughts. But you have to present your own thoughts and ideas. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you live in the world. Exactly. I don't I don't understand what you're are you worried that like someone may say, Well, you had this idea, but I had this idea first. Yes. That's the I mean like it's the dumbest. You can't own ideas. You can't own ideas. Yeah. But you can't own recipes either, I don't really think. Or you can't own ingredients. You can't that's actually a copyright law. You can't own ingredients or recipes, you can own process. You can own the way the process is written. You can't own like like the chocolate chip cookie the way you make a chocolate chip cookie. Right. You can write that down and those words and the way you describe it, you can own that in your own verbiage, yep. but th- you can't own the actual stacking of r- the ingredients and the way it's done. And you and I could look at like the same thing, like carrots, for instance, garden carrots, and you'd have a whole different way of like thinking about those garden carrots than I would. It's part of what makes the show great. But like, again, you tell me like, oh, make garden carrot pesto. And then the next week I'm like, Stephanie, I had this idea. I made garden carrot pesto. <laughs> and you're over there like, uh, yeah, dummy. Well, that's the different. reason you're <laughs> thinking about garden pesto is because it was, uh, I put it in your head. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's different when you're talking about writing things and, and presenting something and then proving something and having, I mean, there's ideas, but then there's the, there's what are you saying, you know, versus yep. This you to say I invented garden pesto or carrot pesto is something different than saying, hey, I made pesto. And as a those food, are two different things. As a food editor, like you must see these ideas roll through the zeitgeist, like oh, yeah. the whole idea of imperialism of a chef. Well, that's kind of of our moment right now, isn't it? Sure. To question all of that. Yeah. To question. No, well, the there isn't anything but questioning right now. Yeah. So, but this, but the point is, is that I don't, and I don't, you know, it's. <laughs> It, 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 I mean, like discussions happen because people have ideas and then they they build on each other. So mm-hmm. it's I'm not saying that she stole that from Alicia. No, Kennedy. I didn't I'm say just that saying, you did. I just okay. wonder if that ever like because you read all this great food stuff and then you turn around and you have to write great food stuff like right. you're influenced by all these but things. It's still always your point of view. OK, I want to talk about Paula Forbes before we get it because okay. I want to say that this is a great the one that I want you to know about hers is she's a Midwest girl. She used to write for Eater and all this stuff. Paula Forbes has a great Substack called Stained Page News, and it's it's cookbook publishing industry news. She covers all the things that are coming out in book form, and she's got you know interviews and recipe ex- excerpts and all this kind of stuff. She used to be with Epicurious and everything else. She 
so there used to be this thing called Tiny Letter, which was the which was a personal newsletter thing. But she's moved now to Substack, and this is where you can like you can pay to get. She's got a fall cookbook like list coming out, and the people who are subscribing to it already have it. Huh. And then the people who are not, you know, she's gonna let she's gonna launch it to go. But what I really recommend is looking through this, going through Substack and looking through it and deciding like maybe you would want to find, you know, you would want to look at this or you know like on average how much is it to like follow them? You know, it could be is, is it's it like so different. Patreon? It could be like 60 bucks, you know, yeah. a year or you could go $5 monthly or you could do it. I like to subscribe to them and then like to the free meal and then I sort of decide, do I like that person's voice? Do I really want is that something that I would be want every week? Will I read it? Yeah. Because if I'm going to pay for it, I want to. I'm going to want to read it. Like I don't think I'd pay for Allison Romans, which is funny. I'd buy her books, but I don't necessarily. Her point of view is not exactly my favorite thing right now. Yep. But this Andrew um, Ganung, who is based in Hong Kong, he's got a family meal uh, roundup of the news industry of the restaurant industry over there. You know, and it's that's interesting to me. Like I really get into that, so I would pay for that. Huh. So that's interesting. So there's a lot of things in here and I'm going to put up there's taste cooking is another, they have a newsletter too. And theirs is more of like yours, which is their website. And then they tell you everything that's gone up on their website, Yeah, but that's not the same as what this is, but they've got a great little article about that. So that's, that's where we go. So there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of things in here, but I really suggest go look through Substack and see what it is that you want to do. Sounds cool. Okay, there you go. That's it. And we are going to take a break. When we come back, you guys, it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So don't forget to give us a call. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071.